Welcome to Parsha in Progress. I'm Abigail Pogrebin, author of My Jewish Year. And I'm Rabbi Dov Linzer, president of Yeshivat Chovevei Torah Rabbinical School. And we're two very different Jews talking about the same Torah together. Today, we are in Parsha Chukat, and we are talking about the story of Moses hitting the rock and being told that he can't enter the land of Israel. And asking the question, did Moses get a fair deal? And my answer is no. <laughs> Where is Why the could ju- I have guessed that? <laughs> Where is the justice when great visionaries don't get to see their visions realized in their own lives? Here's the verse. The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. So just to be clear, when God says, Speak ye unto the rock, That's an instruction literally for Moses to coax water verbally from the stone. Right. Or if not to coax it from the stone, then at least to command it. And then through a miracle, God will make the water come out. Okay. We're going on. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. They gathered the Israelite people. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, will we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod... He smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beasts also. Right. So let's just pause here for a moment and point out that Moses did not speak unto the rock like he was commanded, but he hit it. He smote it twice. And God's not pleased at all with the smiting or the smoting, as we see in these final verses. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel. Therefore, ye shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them. So that's that. Moses didn't follow God's instructions, so he can't enter the promised land. That's crazy. Right. I mean, game over. You know, after 40 years of selfless service, all that down the drain in an instant. Sorry, Moses, you blew one time, so now you're not going into the land. And Aaron couldn't go in either. It sounds like Aaron is punished for Moses' mistake, or maybe he's being slapped retroactively for the golden calf sin, which happened a long time before. But it just doesn't make any sense to me, honestly. What exactly was Moses' fatal error here? The Torah does not lay it out. Right. I mean, that's another really curious part of this story. Uh, The assumption that the rabbis tend to make is that the sin was hitting the rock and not speaking to it. But, you know, even if that's true, so what's so terrible about that? It's not exactly what God instructed, you know, but at the end of the day, why is that a reason not to enter into the land? You sound like my Aunt Helen. For this, you schlepped to Brooklyn. (laughs) Like, for this, I don't get to go into Canaan. (laughs) So I researched this Parsha, and I found that the commentators give many explanations of what Moses' sin could possibly be that kept him from the promised land. And I thought it would be kind of just interesting to share some of them. I'm sure you know them all by heart. (laughs) That the first possible mistake was that Moses called the people rebels and he displayed his anger, um, which was out of control. That's Maimonides. See, you know all the commentators by heart. It's very impressive, Doug. All right, all right. And then the other uh, major misstep, I guess the hypothesis from Nachmanides, the 13th century French commentator, was that because Moses implied in his words that it was he, not God, who was making the water come out of the rock, that was a screw-up, right? And then others believe that it was because Moses and Aaron ran away from their people, the congregation, when initially they confronted them. Which goes back to our previous Parsha episode on courage. Right, they didn't have it. So whatever the sin was, let's talk about where the justice is in this. (laughs) I mean, it's such a severe punishment, all kidding aside. 
You, you consider everything Moses did, the degree of self-sacrifice, all of what was leading to, to bring the people into the land, and then it's just, sorry, he did all the work and gets no reward. Okay, so here's a theory. Maybe Moses wasn't getting punished at all. Maybe there really was like a deeper issue about his leadership, something that made it clear that he could not be the one to bring the people into the land. So basically, you're saying Moses failed the leadership test in a way we can't necessarily see, correct? Yeah. Like maybe his poor anger management, which was Maimonides' explanation, or his uncontained rage was a deal breaker. It was too problematic a trait to have in a leader who's going to take you into you know, into the future. Right. But I would move beyond just the anger issue. I think it was more specific. You know, he hit the rock rather than speaking to it. I'm going to go back to that focus. But I think that that says that it shows us symbolically that Moses is stuck in his old ways of acting. Because 40 years ago, when they came out of Egypt, they also complained for water. And then God told him, hit the rock, and he hit it. So now God is saying, let's see if you can do something different this time. Speak to the rock. And he just falls back into his own patterns. And I think that's the problem, you know? I think that being a leader, you're going to face new realities in the land of Canaan. Are you going to be able to adapt? Are you going to be able to change? Or are you stuck in your old way? This is a new generation. They're more mature, you know? They're not the whiny, childlike people, the slaves who came out of Egypt. So they deserve a leader who can talk to them like adults, not one who's going to try to hit them on the head like children. Nice metaphor. Thank you, thank you. I like that talk hit thing you did there. But I have to tell you that I'm still not satisfied because we still haven't answered the basic question, which I'm not just harping on for its own sake. It, it seems to me the, the essence, the turn that's taken here between essentially slavery and freedom, the old life and the new. And where is the justice in the fact that this leader who we've held up as, you know, an icon of, of our tradition and our faith, Moses is getting shortchanged here. He's, he's, he's out. If we look back at the fact that he didn't want the job in the first place, and his hesitancy was, I think, a virtue. When God said, you have to lead the people out of Egypt, he said, I'm not the man for the job. And God pushed him to do it. And Moses did it beautifully, heroically, and now one rock smite and he's sidelined. Uh, to me, humility is a sign of real leadership. And I agree with all of that, but I think that that's like a separate conversation. I mean, yes, Moses was a great, humble leader, but that doesn't mean you get to be the one to take them into Canaan. And also, I mean, even with all of the hesitancy, we also have to acknowledge that he got the job by fiat. God decreed it, and he was not chosen by the people. So again, his leadership was a top-down appointment, and it was a top-down governance, and I don't think that that was the good model or the right model for a independent, empowered people who are about to enter into the land of Canaan. It's hitting the rock, it's not speaking to it. Okay, fine. Then answer this. Well, let's at least discuss. Did Moses get recognition in his own time? Because the Torah text doesn't suggest that he was praised till his death. So he is dying, essentially, persona non grata after being this hero. Look, I really feel for Moses, but it's not it like- It doesn't he, sound like it. Well, uh, maybe I have to work on that. <laughs> But it's not like, it's also not like he didn't get his day in the sun. I mean, the entire Torah is named after him. I mean, it's called Torah's Moshe. 
Moses' Torah, for God's sake. In the tradition, he's known as Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses, our teacher, with a capital T. I mean, he is the number one figure in our religion. So he might not have taken the people into Israel, but he gets credit for the whole shebang. After he's dead. Okay, I get that. You're right. In his life, very little recognition, like a lot of leaders, just a lot of aggravation, a lot of, you know, lack of gratitude. Absolutely. But, I mean, I think there are still some things. First of all, the text after he comes down from Mount Sinai says that they saw that his face glowed and they were afraid to draw close to him. So that's not exactly recognition but or gratitude, but it's a type of an awe. There's a clear realization of who he was. And Well, it's uh, not enough. He worked okay. all his life to get to this point and he deserved to enter the land. He got a raw deal. Do you think Moses should have gone in if he wasn't the right leader? I think he should have been able to see it. He did see it. God took him up to the, the mountaintop, end. and even if that would Taste have compromised, it, it. compromised Joshua's ability to be the right leader living in the shadow of Moses. This is what it was all for, and he should have a moment of taking it in and feeling the earth and tasting the milk and honey. He earned that. I agree. It's not just recompense. I, I totally it's, agree. It's, it's also he... right for the people. It also seems like it's oh, right okay. for the people that he go with them. Mm. That, to me, is you know, as I, I think about it more, I see. bothers me. But you would agree that if it weren't right for the people, it might make sense for him to not be able to do that. Well, who decides that? Who's determining well, that? Well, in the Torah, it's God. Maybe God isn't always fair. or I mean, we know God's not always fair. Maybe God's not always right. <laughs> I think you don't want to have to make the hard decisions. What happens when an individual has to suffer and it isn't fair but ultimately it's for the better good. What, why does it hurt the people for Moses to go? Because then any future leader always lives in Moses' shadow because he is the larger-than-life figure, and if he enters into the land with them, their narrative about their being in the land is going to start with Moses. And it's maybe going to start with slavery. I mean, maybe that's part of the problem, is that we need essentially to think like free people now. We have to kind of reincarnate ourselves as liberated people, and he reminds us too much of our oppression. Exactly. So if you buy into that, which I'm not saying you do, can you live with the fact that he might have to suffer some unfairness? I'll have to think about it. Okay. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. Parsha in Progress is written and hosted by Rabbi Dove Linzer and Abigail Pogrebin. It's produced by Shira Talishkin. The show is executive produced by Josh Cross and Tablet Magazine. If you like the show, head over to iTunes and leave a review, rate us. That always helps more people find out about Parsha in Progress. And make sure to tell all of your friends. You can also write to us at ParshaInProgress at TabletMag.com. We'd love to hear your comments. See how you say Canaan and I say Canaan? Yes, I do see that. And you say Moshe and I say Moses? Yes. <laughs> oh, irreconcilable differences, Abby. Uh, I don't know how we can have a conversation. You say Moshe. <laughs> I don't know how we can have a conversation together with all of those things between us. <laughs> That's the gulf. There you go.